I did not inadvertently throat punch anybody today. Um, I might have gotten really excited about some of the things I was working on for the show today. Uh, I might have actually done a really great job on this new uh, this new Apple game that I'm playing, Pocket Card Jockey. I didn't get so excited that I finished my solitaire that I accidentally throat punched Jillio. You didn't do the same thing to me either. Like, you didn't score a touchdown in Tecmo Super Bowl, and you were so excited, you went, yes! And then all of a sudden, you hit me in the throat, and I'm throwing up. None of that happened today. Success. You're okay? I'm good. With how this all happened. I'm, 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 yeah, we're referring to Kyle Filipowski last night. Yeah. Uh, and their loss to Virginia Tech. Let's let's talk about what's up with Duke first. Okay. Before we get into the end of game situation that saw, was it Michael Collins of Virginia Tech uh, go up 77-75 on the Blue Devils with about 14 seconds left in the game. And in his excitement, without realizing Cal Filipowski was behind him, hit him in the throat. And it caused the whole scene. We'll get to that in a second because there's a lot of layers to that, I think. Duke's got a scoring problem, and this was even before Derek Whitehead's leg injury. Uh, that is unfortunate. They go through some serious scoring droughts in the course of a game. However, I still think that Duke is, in terms of identity, defensively good enough to muck up games, keep it competitive, and then let one of their star guys, or a guy who they can consistently fill up, in this case it's been Kyle Filipowski, to get him back in the game. That's exactly what happened yesterday against Virginia Tech. I think it looked like Virginia Tech was going to run out of the building against Duke last night. I think there was like a 20-8 to run at one point, too. And Duke claws its way back because defensively, they're good enough to get the other team back down to their level. Is this what we expect out of Duke? No, not based on what we've seen the last couple of years. But we have to allow for John Shire's first season with the Blue Devils and how not all five-star recruits are the same. This is kind of who they are, man. And this is a team that I can see mucking their way to an ACC tournament final. I can see this. I can. I absolutely can see this. They're ugly enough and defensively good enough that I can see them just making things ugly and winning a couple games. That happened last night, but I can see it. You disagree. Yeah, it's it's not there. Uh, and Duke has... I'm looking at it right in front of me. 247 Sports, composite rankings. Number two, Derek Whitehead. Number three, Derek Lively. Number four, Kyle Filipowski. Filipowski's held up his end of the bargain. Mm-hmm. The other two players, for whatever reason, whether it's injury, whether it's fit, whether it's... Whitehead's easy to understand. That's injury. I mean, he starts the season with a leg injury, and then last night he's hurt. Could be. No, I'm with Whitehead, I think I do think it's injury. You know how I feel. This, this It feels you, like the mix. You, ju- you, ju- you judge Duke on a harsher level than any no, other team. No, 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 no. That's do. not true. That's not true. Okay. It feels like the mixtape to me. Yeah. Talent is like the mixtape to me. Fair. Right? Yesterday, you played Oye Como Va for me, and I still probably said it wrong. But I heard the... Uh, uh, ch, uh, you knew it. Uh, ch, uh, 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 I got it. You're like, you're not going to get the orange carpet. And I'm like, no, no, no. I got this. Right? But you have to hit it. Mm-hmm. You have to hit it. Talent is like that. Yeah. And... I'm sure somebody's screaming out there, no, it's not fair, but it's the truth. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, it's the truth. when You you know it when you see it. And there's, there's something else that's a lot like that that sure. was in Congress. But, but, but Jason yeah. Tatum, right, we would see him, you're like, oh, that, that thing pops. Yeah. Right? Uh, even a Kobe White, you see that, you're like, man, there's something different there. Mm-hmm. There's a different gear there. There's a different speed there. I don't see that with this Duke team. That doesn't mean it's not a good team. Right. 
Duke is an NCAA tournament team. That's mm-hmm. what they are. Okay. How how are what you what is whatever you are saying right now? How is that any different than what I'm just laying out for Duke? Because right Duke has a different standard. I'm not talking about the standard. I'm I'm talking about what John Shire is in his first season in the same way we talked about Hubert Davis in the first season last year. I get what the standard is. Sure. But just because that's the standard, we have to allow for things to change, okay, and how we view these things over time. Simple as that, man. Simple yeah. as that. This is not a Hall of Fame coach coaching Duke right now. I'm not even sure a Hall, a Hall of Fame coach, coach is going to change those three players, though, is what I'm getting well, at. Well, I'm not, I'm not focused on the players. And we've seen Duke teams. We've seen Duke teams win championships without that superstar talent. I mean, we can go back to 2010. Sure. John Shire. Of all the people who understands how to win different ways, John Shire would be one Zubek. of them. Brian Zubek. Because of Stepping how that played up. out, right? And that's what I see with Duke, ultimately. I mean, again, maybe you and I are judging Duke a little bit differently. I get where you're going. With but 2010 the whole also had uh, had older players. These are not old enough players. Things are relative. The injuries have sure, have, sure, sure. You know, kind of deprived them of the ability to come together. But college basketball is not where it was out. in 2010. That's the other thing too. You you could have an older team back in 2010 more often than not. That's not necessarily the case now. And you have to judge this. Duke Wait, you're team. saying this Duke team is good enough to go to Greensboro and win the ACC tournament. That's said, what you just said. I said right? to get to the final. Well, I mean, who's if they get to the final, who's going to be in their way then? Could be Virginia Tech again. Could be. Like last year or like last night. That's all I'm saying. So, like, I don't want to be – what I found interesting about you with Duke is that you're automatically dismissive with Duke if they don't have the dudes. Mm-hmm. Given the fact that I know that Duke can win – Without the dudes. You know, when's the last time they legitimately had to win without dudes? I just told you. No. T- Kyle Singler, Nolan Smith. I just told John you. John Shire were good college players at a time mm-hmm. when guys were going pro early. So yeah. that was a nice little window that they caught. Never forget, they didn't play Boogie and Wall. So, you know, that's how the cookie crumbles in the tournament. Well, that Everyone well, wants to tell me what a great coach Tony Bennett is. Sure. He, he had the easiest path, like, in the history of basketball to the 2019 title. So, I mean... Well, that's why when we get into a larger conversation about the ACC, you know, they, everybody brings up the fact that the ACC is not so hot right now. This is another year where they're not so hot. And I'm thinking to myself, somebody put out the stat earlier today. In the last 10 years, if you look at Ken Palm or, or free Ken Palm, Bart Torvik, the ACC has never been considered the best conference in college basketball, yet they're the conference with the most wins in the NCAA tournament because of the randomness of the NCAA tournament. Probably so, the coaches, too. That has something to do with it. Kyle Filipowski last night gets hit in the throat in the final seconds of that game. Here's John Shire, head coach of the Blue Devils, on Filipowski coming back after that punch to the throat. I can tell you in that play, I mean, he got hit so hard that he was throwing up in the huddle. Like He was, I mean, full out throwing up, and he wasn't about to be out for a second. Like He was ready to come back in, and, um, you know, we ended up drawing up the play, and put the ball in his hands and we just we missed the shot but that's what happened right before and he's a big time warrior man he's he's a competitor he hates to lose thought you could see that tonight you know he really put us on his back and you know willed us to put us in position to win that game so that's Shire after the game he's right they they were in a position to win that game because of Kyle Filipowski but again uh, with 14 seconds left Michael Collins uh, hits a jumper they go up 77 75 and in the excitement of it all, he fist pumps and he turns his body and he hits Filipowski in the throat. Uh, there was no foul on the play. That's the part that I found the most surprising. Okay, there was no foul on the play. 
Once you go to the monitor, we start getting into the, it was incidental contact. He wasn't actually meaning anything by it. They weren't going to elevate it to some sort of flagrant one or flagrant two or whatever. Uh, but I did find it interesting that in the moment a guy gets hit in the throat and not a whistle was blown. That's the only part that I thought was illuminating and that you can go. You to- could see that, though. It's in transition mm-hmm. from, uh, you know, after a made basket, you could see why the officials would have missed that. Yes. Do I have to ask the question? Do I think if Mike Krzyzewski was the coach of Duke and the same exact review happened that there would be no free throws awarded? Mm-hmm. I mean, I could sell you a, a, a the the ferry to okay. Chapel Hill to the Outer Banks if you'd like. Okay, if you believe that, got it. Okay. Because you already know. Okay, then. Okay, you already know. I got I got some pushback from. It's Mike. not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Again, this is just human nature. Yes, I got some pushback from Duke fans over the weekend because there was a couple of instances uh, in the Miami game that I went, "Ooh, no call in that situation." I know if Mike Krzyzewski was the head coach, they probably – and it gets to home court advantage, sure. right? If you're – I guess it's the classic case of, you know, if I go full Colin Coward on you. It reminds me a lot of people who talk about, like, how they made their bones in life. It's like every story in the New York Times about how you got this up-and-coming up and person who just started this business out of nothing, and then, like, five paragraphs deep in this New York Times feature on this person, you come to find out that their parents gave them $100,000 in loans, Right? I built this from the ground up. No help. My hands. I did this. Oh, yeah. By the way, uh, I just happened to be uh, the recipient of a gem mine. No, no big deal. Just going to bury that little detail right there. It's a, there, was a, uh, there was a recent kerfuffle over nepotism. Nepo babies. Did you read any of that stuff? And, it, you know, all these people were like, well, you know, all these people are sons or daughters of famous people in Hollywood and everything else. And people want to use that as a knock against them. But at the same time, okay, cool, you might use your family influence to get you in a position that a normal person might not. However, talent eventually weeds itself out. And if you're not good or the audience doesn't gravitate to you, it doesn't matter who your parents were. you got to be good at what you do. So give a little credit to you know grinding through that. Same thing applies to home court advantage. How do you think home court advantage happens? Out of thin air? No, it's developed over time, and your coaches develop reputations. And why was Cameron Indoor such a difficult place to play? Because you were loud? It's loud at PNC Arena. It's loud at the Smith Center. It's not just because you were loud. There's also a Hall of Fame coach that you didn't want to tick off, too. All right? And all the expectations of Duke and why people were there and everything else. Own the home court advantage, man. And also understand that things change a little bit when the guy's no longer there. I think that we're seeing that play out at Duke this year, are we not? What'd you say about that pandemic year when there was nobody at Cameron Indoor Stadium? Well, that ten point advantage went away pretty quickly. Right, man. And it wasn't a knock. Actually, I think it's like a fifteen twenty in the full the yeah. full K years. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, and it's not a knock. It's a credit no. to what's been built, man. Again, human nature. Yeah, human nature. It is what it is. I still think they should have called a foul last night. Thank you for listening to the Best of the Drive podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly here with Coach Pete of Capital Financial Advisory Group. Coach, is it still true that a million is enough to retire on? Tim, maybe and maybe not. The most important thing is to get a real plan that gives you income you never outlive. We'll give that away to the next 10 people. Call right now. The number to call, 800-691-3215. Text TIM to 600-700 if you're interested in texting. Once again, that phone number is 800-691-3215 or text TIM to 600-700 for that deal. You can also check us out on YouTube. Look up 99.9 The Fan Raleigh on YouTube and you can spoon 
the subscribe button? Big or little? Uh, depends on the mood. In this particular case, you probably want to be the big spoon. Just kind of embrace the like button, the subscribe button, and then you can get our content there. We'd appreciate that. We're very close to 2,000 subscribers, so let's let's get on that. Let's get on that. So check that out. YouTube, look up 99.9 The Fan Raleigh. So everybody's uh, everybody's interviewed with the Panthers at this point. Kellen Moore, he's 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 finally interviewed with the Panthers uh, for the head coaching job. I know Sean Payton was that was supposed to happen already happened. I do I do appreciate Steve Smith, former wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers, upon seeing the Dallas Cowboys game plan over the weekend and going, uh, yeah. By the way, don't make him the next Panthers coach after what I just saw with Dak Prescott. You don't want that. So I think we're up to, what, eight complete interviews right now for the Carolina Panthers. I mean, on one hand, I guess you could say that the Panthers are doing their due diligence. So credit to them on that. On the other hand, what's really going on here? Is there is there something else going on here? Are they kind of playing out the string and interviewing as many people as they possibly can to hold off for Sean Payton? To, to negotiate something with the New Orleans Saints to get him there? Because, again, Sean Payton's the, the hot man this offseason. Or is this bad news for Steve Wilkes? You know, are, are you interviewing all these guys because Steve Wilkes just didn't really sell you in the interview process and that his 6-6 six and six record as an interim wasn't impressive enough for you or he didn't, have enough, he didn't have a good plan going forward for the offensive coordinator role or those types of things? I'm really at the point now where I'm at a loss as to what to expect. You could tell me it's anybody as the next head coach of the Panthers, and I'd probably believe you at this point. I'm still trying to come up with a good explanation for an NFL team having a search committee. I, I, <laughs> it's baffling to me. Yeah, well, everybody's got to feel important. You know, there are some places that really believe in having titles. You know, People love a title, assistant two or whatever it is. Maybe that's how the Panthers operate. I, I, I just, I think at this point, I think it would be a mistake to hire Sean Payton. I'm with you. On I that. think it would be a mistake to use an asset to give one of the teams in your division. One of the appeals of this job is you can win right away in that division. That that's one of the appeals. Mm-hmm. So you you don't want to help the Saints, even if it's a first round pick in next year's draft. Which in theory, if you got Sean Payton right, that that pick would be in the 20s. You'd make the playoffs. These are all best case scenarios. Can't always plan for the best case scenario, though, Joe. I don't know about how how your life has gone, but you uh. can't always plan for the best case scenario. <laughs> you you want to look at my credit card statement? You need to no. plan for the worst and then hope for the best. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I do a bad job of that. That's how I end up in the situation that I'm in right now on a couple of different things. But re- regardless, uh, speaking of coaching moves, Bill O'Brien, who was what was with Alabama in the Nick Saban. House for Wayward Assistants and mm-hmm. Coordinators is returning to the New England Patriots, where he's going to be the offensive coordinator for Bill Belichick. I guess that whole let's ha- let's have some guys who don't know anything about offense be my offensive coordinators didn't work out this past season. So maybe uh, Bill Belichick is is getting it right this time. True story. First time I ever met Bill O'Brien, he was working at Duke. Mm-hmm. Ted Roof had hired him because they had worked together at Georgia Tech. Yeah, and th- this was O two. 03, 04 in there, 03, 04, 03, 04. And all I knew about Bill O'Brien, other than he had been at Georgia Tech with the uh, George O'Leary family, if you will, that coaching tree there, was that he actually went to Brown. That's where Bill O'Brien went to school. Mm -hmm. So the first time I ever met him, we're walking on the Duke practice field, and I said, 
you went to Brown? He's like, yeah. I said, you know another fairly famous coach went to Brown? And he was like, yeah, of course, Joe Paterno. Mm. And I said, oh, well, well, clearly you're going to be Penn State's next coach then. I swear to you, true story. Sure enough. Sure enough. Bill O'Brien becomes the one who replaced Joe Paterno at Penn State. Got any other tickets you want to cash? I mean, Some, I probably should have cashed that one if I could have had it. Yeah, but if you, if you had coaching and features, it was, it was all on. purely because he went to Brown, which is also where Paterno went to school. Sometimes coaching searches can be that I mean, simple. It's all, I, that's what I keep saying about Notre Dame and, yeah. and Corrigan and Bubba and, and the ACC. Everything mm-hmm. always gets back to Notre Dame. A simple connection. Yeah. Notre Dame connection? Fine. I'm with it. Is there something? Can we, can we get this thread to Notre Dame somehow? <laughs> all right. Well, then that's where it's going to get us. You should develop a new board game called Six Degrees of Notre Dame Separation or something like that. Something to that effect. That's all we, we need. Where we can just tie it right on back to Notre Dame. Maybe the ACC network in their push to help the league get Notre Dame to join full time. You can be a game show host where you give a name of somebody <laughs> and then they have to, within six personal connections, tie it back to, to Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah. I think you can do it. I think I think we should pitch this to the ACC Easy. network. I like it. All right. We'll, we'll do it. We'll, we'll go with that. Speaking of Notre Dame, we'll talk to Jordan Cornette, former basketball player for Notre Dame, a Mike Bray guy. Uh, Mike Bray is in town tonight for Notre Dame NC State. This is going to be his last season. He announced that. That he is uh, he is retiring at the end of the year. Do we want to tell the people what we're what you have? Planned? Yeah, I like it. Okay, well, what are we doing, Joe? Well, I mean, if you're the head coach of the Fighting Irish, mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say maybe you would enjoy some Irish whiskey. So, got a decent black label Jameson for Coach Bray. We'll have to deliver that to him. Now, another quick story. How are we gonna get it in the building? We'll work on that. But okay. another quick story <laughs> though. My mentor and and someone you loved in this business, mm-hmm. Carlton Tudor. Yes. Always loved Bray mm-hmm. because Bray was Mike Shashevsky's assistant back in the eighties, and you know now, like think of somebody like who was an assistant that would actually talk to us, right? Well, like that was Bray yeah. back in the day. So anytime there was a job opening, Tudor would write, "They should hire Mike Bray. They should hire like Carolina's got it all. No, Mike they Bray. Hire Mike Bray. Yeah. Like, everything was auto Mike Bray mm-hmm. and." Uh, he had such a wonderful relationship with Tudor, and he's always been great to us. The day Mike Shashevsky retired, you know, he, or announced his retirement, you know, I text him, and and he, you know, hey, sure, absolutely, comes on, talks mm-hmm. to us. So uh, I, he's been he's been a gift to the he ACC has. media. He has, he has. You might not care about Notre Dame basketball in any way, shape, or form. Totally understandable. I get that. But the league, the ACC, if you like ACC basketball. You miss guys like Bray. You miss coaches like that who make themselves available and tell stories, make themselves available to connect with the media and the fans, and that's where you have a further connection with the conference. It's getting more and more difficult to do in this day and age, and Mike Bray is going to be missed. 